Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good day, and welcome to Healing in the Afterloss. This is a show about coming to a place of peace and healing after loss. I am Deborah Brown, and it is my honor and privilege to be co-hosting the show with Benjamin Allen, my friend, a brilliant writer, a gifted speaker, and an amazing human being. Hello, hello. Hey there. How are you today? I'm doing fine. And... uh... I'm speaking to an amazing human being as well, so it's good, well, to, good to connect again. Thank you. Thank you so much. We are a uh, mutual admiration society of at least two. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Not everybody has one of those, right? Yeah. Not everybody has yeah, one that's of those. Right. So. Yeah. Um, well, and, that yeah. Actually, and actually what you're talking, what you want to talk about today is community, and, that, and two is community. And, uh, you know so what? I think that, yeah. That's exactly right. But, and. I do want to talk about community because in the, in the throes of a, um, a stressful situation, a, a loss that has just occurred, a, an impending loss, a time when you know that maybe grief is upon you, um, if you are truly alone, and that's a lot of what um, your book is, and, your, and your work is about, is that you're not alone, um, but if you feel alone, um, the devastation is just so much greater when uh, when bad things are happening. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. I mean, in the initial stages of any any loss, there is that experience of aloneness, and there is that that pain and that that contraction that happens. But coming out of that, it needs to find a place in community with another uh, for uh, what my experience to find healing that that isolation that initial stage of isolation and the isolation that continues along the, the, the path of, of healing and the path of loss also has to be uh, tethered to others as well or it just kind of goes off out of orbit and uh, I've experienced both and so wanting to push the, push the world away and wanting to pull the world to me in my pain, and some people do not want to be a part of that pain. So there is that whole balancing act of community and, 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 and that journey of aloneness and, and solitude that happens and, and working through loss. Well, it's interesting because community can play the flip side um, as the villain almost sometimes when bad things are happening or about to happen. Um, I could speak for myself for a moment, and then you can speak to this too. But, um, you know, if something bad is about to happen, um, I don't want everybody to know necessarily. Um, I, uh, I'm afraid of what people will think or what they'll say or how it's going to make them think of me in the future. 
you know, I make up a whole lot of stories, clearly, about what's, you know, what's possible. And, and community um, is the last place if they are not um, perceived by me to be friend. In other words, if I put them in a category of foe, um, you know, where I'm worried about what community is going to think or say. Does that make sense? Have you ever had that happen? Yeah, uh, and I, I use the term for me, safe uh, or unsafe, you know, uh, being in with others that are safe people and are being with people that when I'm in this vulnerable state don't feel safe. And, and that can show up in a lot of different ways, one of rejection, one of just not uh, of neglect, uh, of not caring. You know, oh, there's a lot of different manifestations of, of reaching out and not finding the touch of another. And then at the, the safe part is when there is the reaching out and there's someone that's there that understands or that at least shares an authentic presence. They may not understand, but they're there in a space of love. And, and what you were describing is that in those stages of, of that, that, that stage of, oh, my, something devastating has just happened, where do I go with that? And, 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 and ordinarily, uh, there's this initial reaction of withdrawal and then, then peeking out the window of one's soul into seeing if there's anybody out there that can help. But uh, it, it is it can be very detrimental, and I've experienced community as detrimental, and I've experienced it as as wonderful healing, uh, the safety net that we we always hoped it would be in those times. Well, in the book that you wrote about your family's journey, uh, it's called Out of the Ashes: Healing in the After Loss, um, which is just an amazing, amazing book. Uh, I love everything about it. I, I love the story, and it and it it's a story of of, um, of of unspeakable loss, and yet the way you honor your loved ones that were taken from you too soon is so beautiful, and it's like a a roadmap for how to do it. <laughs> you know how to mm-hmm. how to be um, a beautiful human being with others who are taking their last breath is just uh it's just it's in that book and it's beautiful so um but in that book um you talk a lot about uh the community where you lived and being afraid i think is a good word that they were unsafe that if they found out what was going on at your house that um the results and the aftermath would not be good you want to talk about that for a minute Sure. Uh, the initial, the initial uh, realization and finding out that Lydia, Matt, and Brian were HIV positive. The um, uh, sorry about that. There's something going on with my phone. The the initial experience of that was um, quite devastating because we got the call and the church that I was working at. Uh, I shared with the senior minister, and he asked for my resignation. Uh, the where Lydia had Brian, and we found out about five months after Brian was born, her records were with her name on it were were sent around the hospital that she was HIV positive, and so our anonymity, our safety was broken immediately, and so we we basically fled in the night. We fled 
to Dallas, uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area, and lived in secret, basically, for fear, because that's when they were burning children's houses down. That's when uh, they had HIV. That was when there was all this animosity and anger that was going on. And Remind us of so, the year. Tell us the, tell us the year that was happening, Benjamin, because this, this is really cr- critical. Right. That was 1986 is when we got the call from the blood bank. Brian was born in 1985. Uh, Lydia received the transfusion at the birth of Matt in 1982. So it was 1986 when we fled in the night to uh, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And we lived in this this kind of... of it, it was really quite difficult because we had, for instance, the neighbors next door had two children. And Matt, around Matt's age, and, and Matt was young. He was about three years old. And they would play together, but we had, uh, Lydia and I had a commitment that he would not be playing with any child that they, someone did not know in case there was a need for universal precautions, as children do, they could fall down, they can bleed, they can do all that. So we we made the commitment that there would always be someone, an adult, that would know and how to use universal precautions. So we couldn't tell the neighbor because they would freak out. I mean, it was just a horrible thing. So we always had to be around for Matt just to play. And, and most of his playtime was at places like McDonald's and places like that, that, that where we could be there and watch so he could have some interaction with other kids. We went to churches asking that if Matt could come to their Sunday school. But again, we wanted someone to know, and we were rejected uh, quite a few times uh, saying, we don't want Matt here, you know, so just in, in their Sunday schools. And so we ended up with, with living in that isolation and trying to find you know, socialization for our child. And that's the most, you know, basic of all areas of, of, uh, of interaction. You know? And there was, this, there was an incident, and I, sh- I sh- share this in the book, about a Matt going at a McDonald's, and he was playing with some kids, and he ran up to me. And uh, he said, uh, it was, he was so excited, he said, I found a new friend. And I was so excited for him. That's great. That's wonderful. And then he went running back to his new friend. And I thought at that time that that's not a friend. That's an acquaintance. A friend is someone that a friend is someone that knows you. You know, a friend yeah. is someone that can be there for you. And yeah. that's what we look for in community. Is is not someone just to stand next to. It's someone to stand with, and that there's a big difference. And so, in sorrow, in grief, there is that that yearning for someone to stand with with us. And uh, we lived in this kind of in, in the collective social isolation, but also in in grief. There's also that individual isolation of just being with another that is standing next to you and not with you. And so um, that's where we had that that battle, not only for Matt, but also for each one of us in our own journeys of loss and sorrow. Oh, my goodness. Well, the, the good news is 
as I recall from reading the book. Um, Dallas came through in the end. Yeah, yeah, that is the good. When we went, you wouldn't think that Dallas, you know, <laughs> being a very conservative city, but you know, would, would have embraced us so beautifully. But it was an incredibly wonderful embrace, and uh, in the long run, and what happened for us is that well, actually, that's true and not true because uh, when we enrolled Matt in kindergarten. Uh, it's, it's kind of a long story. It doesn't need to be told around his birthday and the timing and mandatory kindergarten and not. But the um, we enrolled him, and what we did was we went through the proper channels. We had Matt's physician and uh, the uh, uh, school administrators all decide whether Matt could enroll due to his health or any risk or whatever, in which there was no risk. and and all that. And so, but we couldn't go to our school that was closest to us. And so they said, go to this school. And Lydia went in to talk to them. It was obvious that they hadn't told the principal, the teacher or the school nurse that Matt was HIV positive. And so Lydia told them. And uh, and in that conversation, the principal and the teacher said, we don't want that child here. And the teacher said, I'm not going to teach him. Says I am not going to. I'm not going to be a part of that. And Livia was absolutely devastated. I was not in that meeting. And uh, we went back to the school uh, administrators and and told them what had happened. And we and it was just a very brutal experience. So we we experienced that. And then we found another school that would take him. A lovely, wonderful teacher uh, and principal said, Yeah, he can come here. And uh, so, and then the next year, he could enroll in the regular school. And so we went to that school, talked to the principal, talked to the teacher, and the school nurse, and they were all on board. And uh, the, for some reason, the secretary was in the meeting, and I'll never forget what she said. She said, "You will regret the day you enrolled this child into this school." And I just I was kind of shocked by that because I thought she was actually saying was there's going to be a real backlash, because mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, so I mean we had to we and I lived every day dropping him off at school saying if they knew would they reject him if they knew if it gets out and uh, and it, and yet. Uh, after Lydia died uh, in 1992, Matt was nine years old, and so uh, because this started getting out that Lydia had AIDS and that, and that Matt had AIDS around the school, we went public. And when it came out in the New York Times, it came out in a lot of newspapers and a lot of the TV shows, and the school responded beautifully. And uh, there was this one lady there named Vicky, and Vicky was not to be messed with. She, is, you know, just had this really strong presence. Her child was the same grade as Matt, and every day for years I would see her, and I was going, "Oh my God, what if she finds out?" And she was one of Matt's greatest advocates. She, she uh, was so beautiful. You know, that's all we wanted. You know, right. it's for Matt to feel Matt to feel normal. God, this is really harder than I thought. Well, uh, and so yeah. 
going back to I thinking know. about and I, you and you know the tears come and the and it comes not out of pain but out of gratitude. You know, when when healing happens and grief for me, when I'm moving through that and healing is being able to live with the pain and in the peace and in the gratitude. Healing is not the absence of pain. Healing is living in harmony with all that I'm feeling. And so when I talk about this, and when I come to a place of, uh, of where I crack up or, or difficult to make it through, it really is coming from a place of healing, not of hurt. It's coming from a place of gratitude and a sense of, of feeling incredibly blessed. And that comes through going through and leaning in to everything I feel. And even today, even in this conversation, I lean into what I feel. You know, I don't push it away. You know, I try to speak in complete sentences and not totally become, a, you know, a blithering idiot, but uh, it's still I feel it. And yet, and I think that's part of the healing. And I think that's important because here you and I are, we talked about that at the beginning of the show, we're two people, the Mutual Admiration Society, and we are a community as we talk. You know, I, I'm reaching out and sharing with you. You're sharing with me. And it's going to be your turn to share now because I've talked enough. But, <laughs> but, the, but it is, that's what it's all about. And it's about being in community and sharing our stories and our, our experiences. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing that um, because – you know, as your voice breaks, my voice, if I were speaking, my voice would be breaking too because I, I have that empathy and I, I, I want to hold you. I want to make it better, you know. And I think that's what's nice about safe community. Um, you know, and if people would just reach out and find the people when they are vulnerable, find the people that are, that are the safe ones somehow – because they're there, um, then that pain, peace, gratitude component that you were just talking about in the healing process can maybe be um, almost gifted by that other person, you know, pieces of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's amazing how the gifts reverberate out. You know, I, I, there's a thing about in the book about Brian's house and uh, that um, – but Lydia was the co-founder of Brian's House, and and uh, what happened with the origins of that was I was working in the community with people uh, that were um, in the AIDS Interfaith Network that were looking for support, and I came across someone that uh, uh, a mother of two children uh, that was uh, had full-blown AIDS, and her name was Lynn. And Lydia and I introduced Lynn and Lydia, and and Lynn's children were healthy. Her husband was healthy, but she was she was pretty debilitated, and uh, she needed help with childcare. And Lydia took on the task of not only befriending Lynn on an individual basis, but saw the need that there will be children with HIV and there will be children of of parents uh, of HIV that will need a place to be. And uh, so she was the co-founder of Brian's House with Stephanie Held, uh, uh, 
I think she was the chaplain at, at Temple Emmanuel at the time, Stephanie was. And they worked diligently to put this house together. And then the board decided to name it after one of the first children that died in, in, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, which was our son, Brian. And Lydia wasn't even a part of that conversation. And, you know, that... Yeah, you know, it was it was nice, but it, it's not about the name. It's about the the task. It's about the mission, and they so this need that showed up with Lynn, and and Lydia saw this need and really had a passion for caring for children, uh, and and to put that together, that kind of community that has that started in 1988. And uh, November 20th of 1988 was the first day of Brian's house. And uh, to this day, now it's still caring for children because, gratefully, the uh, HIV epidemic has found the medication of the protease inhibitor. It's not over, but it's found a way to sustain life. And that uh, the, the mission of Brian's House is now not just for HIV children, but all children that need medical attention and need need that kind of service. And it's still going. And that's uh, you know that's where I'm going to do the book launch in September. And I'm going back there to the place where community was created out of that seed of uh, of Lydia sharing with Lynn and seeing a need. And that's how community happens. It was an organic, loving, nurturing experience with another human being, and it, it expands to the care of today for children every day. And so it's a, it's a beautiful full circle of, of going back there to celebrate that. Wow. That is... <laughs> I'm I'm. Sp- Sometimes when you and I talk, I get to where I'm like, I'm just listening, and you just keep going, and then I realize it's, it's my turn. I'm like, oh, shoot, I've got to come back here because I'm just listening, and then you stop, and I'm like, no, keep going. <laughs> wow. Well, Brian's house yeah. is, um, is a place where miracles happen because yeah. people who are concerned, people who are afraid, people who are in pain can go there and and have people love them. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's the true sense of community. And that, that's, the, that's what, you know, this whole way of how we separate and how we, us, them, that, that's the biggest devastation to someone that is in need is that, you know, they're, they're on the outside and there is no outside. And, and Brian's house is really a reflection is that, that in, inclusiveness. I was so happy when it, it when the need for the HIV because for us it, the Brian's house was not for us. We were able to take care of, of Matt ourselves and did not need that facility, uh, but that facility was so needed for so many. And, and gratefully, you know now. You know, the, they still have some HIV-positive uh, children there, but they have other children that have needs. And that, that would have been Lydia's greatest joy, you know, to see that, one, the, that the children are living, but also that it, 
that it, it uh, has expanded because it's, it, the mission is about the heart, you know, of, of the expansion of the heart and the care of the children under all conditions. So that would have really pleased her. Well, I have to say that um, that is part of Lydia's legacy. Um, the book is your um, your honoring of the legacy of Lydia, Matt, and Brian. So that's full circle too. Yeah, it really is. You know, it really. Is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was talking to a friend uh, just earlier because it's brought up a lot of things for me. It's, it's the the writing of the book is a lot easier than the reliving of the book. Like when when I've been asked to read some sections on some interviews, I can barely get through them. <laughs> it's just like it's, 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 it's entering that. So what I've been looking at a lot is that sense of community and that sense of 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 how crucial it is. But the day before yesterday was the first anniversary of my brother's death. And I really felt a need to enclose and to and I could feel in being in community that it was a different feeling for me. I just everything was raw because I was in this deep reflective state of of you know reliving the memories of of my brother and and at the the time of his death last year and that the life we lived together and the the ups and downs and so forth. So it was a really intense time. And, you know, as we could talk about in this this segment around community and grief and sorrow, uh, my own experience with that is I need that alone time and I feel very raw when I'm with others that are not in that space and in sync with that. And then there's no need for them to be in sync. There's no reason, there's no way they can be in sync with that but I am it's more that I am out of sync with the world around me and that is really an interest I was watching it as I was experiencing it the other day that it just felt uncomfortable being around folks but I, I, I enjoy these folks I enjoy and and I, I'm around them but it was the the need to find someone after I was with this group of folks and all and friends and stuff, and I I needed to call my other brother uh, and to to be in community with him, someone in sync, and I called a friend that was in sync to this that has had ex- experienced losses, and the difference there, the, the 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 texture of my sorrow, the texture of the conversation, and my my own being, I just I could rest in being known and knowing and to be able to to speak of that sorrow. And so I, it's a, as we talk about community, there's a lot of different types. There's a, there's a lot of different spaces someone and, and loss goes through, and all of them are valid. Some people really need to be around people when they're going through some a lot of pain. My experience is I want to contract and I want to, be in solitude, and then touch others at, 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 in safe places like you mentioned at the beginning. And so everyone grieves differently. Everyone has different needs in, in living in loss. And, and just being able to honor that and to know your inner structure and, and 
DNA of how it works best for you is the most important thing. And to, to not try to live something or somebody else's expectations. Like, you know, Deborah, you know, you've probably been around people that, that if, if they see you sad, they want to cheer you up. <laughs> you know, well, you know that's, that may not be the best thing. It's like when I see someone that's sad, I want to be there and hold a space for their sadness. You know, I and and then they can, they'll find their own cheer, they'll find their own joy, they'll find all of that. If they keep, if, if I keep in that fluidity of whatever I'm feeling, it will always take me to healing. But I need people around me that can hold that space where the fluidity can happen. And so there's a difference between. So I was really interesting watching my my grief around my brother and 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 the the ramifications of that it's it's not it's not different in the ingredients of the grief it's different in the and and the content of the grief because it was different for me when i my mother died or different for me when when um my children died or when Lydia died or when friends died it's all they're all different but there's this there is how we how we embrace our sorrow uh, has a common thread in each individual that that permeates all of them, but they're all, they are different, and we are all different. That's absolutely right. And I was just thinking about that that beautiful continuum that you mentioned a minute ago, which I did take note of, talking about healing being pain then peace, then gratitude. And, of course, I'm putting it in a linear fashion for this conversation. I'm sure it's, it's not linear, but let's pretend it's linear for a moment because even going through the process of a funeral celebration or a wake kind of thing I think takes people from pain to peace to gratitude. Um, you know, if, it, if it's a funeral that's, kind of set up that way, you know, where you get to the gratitude for that person's life. You get to be at mm. peace because you're putting that person to rest. I mean, I think there's something here that's very valuable to connect um, the community of the celebration of the person's life that happens at a funeral or a wake. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's, that's a good point. That, and and it, it didn't occur to me in that sense, but you're you're using the uh, experience of, of a funeral of people gathering around to celebrate and to to commiserate and celebrate uh, is is part of the human condition, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah. So sometimes I think about funeral celebrations and I think, oh my gosh, you know, it's just going to be too hard to go. I, you know, I don't want to be that sad. I, you know, oh well, I better go. You know, but really. It's so much of an honor to um, have known the person and to go ahead and put myself in the place of, you know, going through the process, the pain, the peace, the gratitude, right there, you know, in in um, in community with others at the same place. So I don't know. It's this is not easy. That's the bottom line. This is not easy. <laughs> no, it, it's not easy. And, and also, when people walk away from the funeral they walk away with their own mechanisms of how to deal with loss and mm-hmm. it it doesn't it doesn't end there but it changes into that internal structure like some people 
want to be with others at the at a reception. I wanted to be alone. I wanted, I, there's a, you know, grief is not separate from who we are. Grief is a reflection and a manifestation of the intense moments of who we really are. And so it's not, it, it really is important for those that, that are listening here to know that there is no one way to, to grieve and to, to be in sorrow, and whether it's in community or in solitude, the, where it gets detrimental. And we talked about this, I think, in the last uh, segment that we did was about the difference between solitude and isolation. Isolation is very uh, detrimental, whether it's isolation in the larger community where we were rejected you know, quite a few times and, and, and left us in isolation is different from solitude where there's a choice to go inward and to be in that quiet and to be in that deeper, the stiller waters of life and then, and then to find connection out of that stillness and out of the, the deeper places uh, that, that we travel and lost. But, you know, the, the community, like you said at the beginning, can be very nurturing and supportive and can be very harming. You know, and uh, and that's just it's 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 really I, I I found myself walking through a landmine through that that whole process because who knows who was going to reject us, who was going to turn us away, or who was going to embrace us. So there was a lot of different levels in our journey, as we talk about in the book, is that that will you reject us because you're afraid of my child or will you not want to be around us because you can't handle the loss? Will it be an internal emotional pushing away or, or embrace or is it a physical? Is it a, you know, there, there are so many different factors in how people would show up in our lives. And I would have to say that in Dallas, we had some of the most remarkable experiences of people showing up. I think we're, I, I can't remember the quote, uh, something shines brightest. I think I said this last time now, I forgot to get it. Uh, oh, unconditional love shines brightest in the, in the dark, in the darkest moments, something of that nature. Mm-hmm. And, and, that was, and that was where we saw some brilliant light showing up in people that showed up for us. And uh, and so it's interesting that before the book launch on the 25th, they were telling me that they uh, the person that's putting this together at Brian's house said she found some of Matt's old classmates. Now, Matt died at the age of 13, and uh, they had just gone into seventh grade. Matt did not make it past sixth grade uh, and couldn't get to school uh, the last part of his life. And uh, these children uh, were a part of his funeral service and, and sang at his funeral service and talk about community. And then I found out later, because I left Dallas rather quickly after Matt died, that at their high school graduation, they had a picture of Matt there. Oh my! Uh, I know, I know. I just, I it just blew me away that, he, that they still remembered him, still loved him, that he, he had such an impact on their lives, and uh, and so Karen, who's putting this together in, at uh, Brian's house, has found some of the folks, uh, some of the kids, now adults, 
that uh, new mat, and they they want to have a, a little kind of reception the day before that I get to see them again. Oh my and gosh! Isn't that isn't that incredible? Oh my gosh! Yes. All right. And, so and they, I don't know how you're going <laughs> to handle that. I mean, I'm I'm over here like choking on it. <laughs> I'm choking on it. <laughs> like oh my yeah. gosh! How what a beautiful tribute to your child and to to no. the love that they have. Oh my gosh. Yeah, wow. I, it, it, it's very touching. But uh, you know, Matt was that kind of child. Everyone that came, and I'm not saying this just because I was his father, but everyone that came in contact with him, I felt walked away better. And and that's that's what we can do in community. You know yes. that they were there for him, but he was there for them. You know, and and when we are dealing with someone that's in loss, it's not like like we're there to help them. We're there to help each other through that, you know, and to give another an outlet to be of service and care that's going through such sorrow. And that's what really this book is about, Deborah, that it is to say, this is the service that I can give to another. I didn't write this thing for me. I wrote this for for another that may be going through deep sorrow that says you are not alone, that this is what I went through. And people have said to me, even before the book or in spite of the book or whatever, they've said to me, you know, what you've shared is that if, if you can go through that, I know I can get through anything. And And that's my gift to others is that is the message that we can get through anything you know and we can do it with love and we can and we can do it with and find peace and and to go through the healing process of just showing up to life and so you know so matt and his in his deterioration, people would come see him, and they, his schoolmates were so beautiful and so loving and nurturing. But they walked away with something, too. They gave Matt so much, but they re, it returned. So did he. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and this is about that light that you were talking about, you know, that um, Brian is a light. Yeah. And Matt is a light. And Lydia is a light, and the lights are on at Brian's house, and the lights are on in Dallas. So. <laughs> I love that. The lights are on. I love that. That's a great. That's a great one. That that's a keeper, man. I love it. And the lights, and that's the most beautiful thing is the lights are on in Brian's house. That that what you know, and uh, you know, love continues, and love goes on, and love spreads. Love is contagious, you know, and uh, it's it's beautiful to. That's what real community is about, and the tragedy of that. What those that pushed us away lost the opportunity to find depth in the embrace, and I and I turned that on myself. Anything I push away, anyone I push away, anyone I make as other, rather than than being of oneself. I've lost something there. I, I have diminished my life when I do not open to the life around me. Right, right. That sounds absolutely right, and yet I would also like to say that we do the best we can. 
<laughs> sometimes, you know, sometimes the best we can is not our prettiest. <laughs> it's not our prettiest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that, that should be the as, asterisk of all of life. We do the best we can. <laughs> we do the best the we can. Well, you know, um, usually we would go another five or ten minutes to finish, but I feel so blessed, frankly, with this conversation. Um, the lights are on, you know, at my house. They're yeah. on at your house. And, um, you know, I, I hope our that. listeners are getting that same feeling. Um, reach out to people, you know, share, what, share what's going on with you so that others know and can help you if they can just by being there. You know, you don't yeah. have to, like you said earlier, you don't really have to have somebody fix it. You just have to have somebody listen, be a willing, yeah. an open heart and a willing ear, I think we talked about before, an open heart and a willing ear. Um, yeah. It's so valuable. Don't you think it's just enough, you know, sometimes to just be that, that for somebody else? Just showing up that, that, yeah. and being there, being authentic, being real. Right. Yeah. Well, I want to say know, have... Oh, go ahead. No, go, go ahead. I was going to say, fine. you know, Deborah, you, you don't realize how much uh, you, I may talk a lot in this thing, but how much you participate by the space in which you create and hold. And, uh, you know, I, I, it gives me the opportunity to, to open up. And that's absolutely crucial in any kind of conversation is that, you know, just because I'm sharing a lot of what I've gone through and hopefully can help folks, your participation, I know you share some of you, and there's more for you to share, and I feel I really want more of that to come out as, as we go forward. But, you know, you really hold a beautiful space, and that's what community is about, is to that genuineness, that nurturing, and that healing is you are a tremendous example of that. And uh, I don't know if the listeners can, uh, see that, but it just certainly does not go unnoticed by me. I'm very grateful for you. I'm very grateful. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I, I'm glad you said that, and I, I hope that I can live up to that every time we're together on these, uh, on these episodes because um, I think it's important to to be that for each other. I really do. I think it's very nice that you said that. So I will, I will accept that. Thank you. Good. Good. All right. Woo. Okay. So um, your, your book launch, which I think it's great that you're doing it in Dallas. Um, this will be your big book launch, September 25th yeah. at Brian's house. I think it's from 10 to, 10 to noon. 10 to noon. 10 to noon, right. 10 right. to noon, Dallas thought. time. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and in order to get hold of you, people can go to your website, theafterloss.com, theafterloss.com. And you have a very active Facebook community. Tell everybody how to get to that. Uh, that's, uh, you, go, you can go to Grief and Healing in the Afterloss. And uh, that'll get you there. Cool. All right. Well, my friend, um, we we got through this. I knew that yeah. there was going to be some touch and go, but you know what? It is what it is. That's another one of my sayings. It is what it is. <laughs> it is. Absolutely. <laughs> it is. All right. Well, well thank you. Do you so have much. any Do you have any closing thoughts besides thank you so much, which is lovely? No, no. That that that's. I that. think that's thank good. I, all right. Well, I have one closing thought. 
always be the light you are, because to me, you have been light from the very, very beginning. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, I'm going to hit end episode, and the next time we do one of these, there will actually be outro music, I promise. Bye-bye, everyone. (laughs) Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.